Hey y'all, welcome back to the God-Centered Mom podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. In this episode, number 203, I'm chatting with my friend, Shauna Buchler. The story that I have had is too crazy. My options are one way or the other. I can either hold on to the anger and be mad the rest of my life and use this as some form of I'm, I'm being punished and I don't know why and just go on. Or I can turn a corner and just trust in the Lord and make figure out why this has happened. And I've kind of tried to create my own why. And my own why is that I'm sharing my story in the hope that it helps somebody else. Because going through losing a child, holding that child, and giving it back to the doctor to take away from me forever, or being told you're not pregnant again, I'm so sorry, or getting pregnant and losing the baby before you see a heartbeat, whatever it is as a woman, I just, I want everyone out there to know that there is a community of women where we are in a sorority that no one wants to be in, and we're all in it. And I have found that in talking with people the last couple of months, if I have started to kind of share my story and put it out there, so many women have ended up crying to me about their story. You know, I've never told anyone, but five years ago this, or I never told anyone this. And we protect ourselves because it hurts too much not to. And I think that the Lord is bigger than that. And I think that we can share and we can be there for one another on this. I know that the God Center Mom community agrees that we can be there together on this topic. And whether you have experienced infertility and or infant loss personally, or you know someone who has, this episode is to remind us all of the weight of it and yet the hope that we have in Christ. And Shauna's going to share her story. She's going to share how her community came around her how we can come around those we love who are experiencing this pain or grief of any kind. And we thought this would be a good topic since it is Infertility and Infant Loss Awareness Week. Uh, If you know someone who's experienced that pain, might be a good week to write her a note or buy her coffee or uh, other things that Shauna mentions in this episode. Stick around for all that goodness. But before we do, I want to give a shout out to this month's sponsor. Anybody else have kids that demand, I want it now, and then you respond with either giving in or blowing up and you feel guilt for either of those responses? Uh, I'm raising my hand here in my closet. I don't like that kind of response, but in order to not respond that way, I need to put thought into it and I haven't made space or time to think about how do I want to better respond to my kids' requests and demands? Well, This is where my favorite new thing comes in. It's Jim and Lynn Jackson of Connected Families, their Entitlement Fix course. And you can sign up. There's four sessions. You have access to them forever. So whenever you have a chance, you can watch them. They're only like 20 minutes each session. And those are broken down into little videos. So if you have like eight minutes, you just watch a little video. Uh, And it'll give you great ideas. Like I was watching one the other day to help with this exact problem of when your kids want it now and remembering to have simple expectations that my boys and I know that we can repeat to each other, that we have these expectations in mind. So when uh, a request is made and it's not respectful, then it's not even considered. If they demand that it's now, 
My answer is going to be not now. If they continue to whine and beg, that means no for at least a week. And if they plan something and they plan it out, there's an improved chance that I'll say yes. These are the expectations that Jim and Lynn spelled out for their family. I think it's a great idea. If you want more ideas, go to godcentermom.com forward slash entitlement to learn more about this course. You can also listen to the episode I did with them a few episodes back. All right, let's get to my conversation with Shauna. Here we go. Hey, Shauna, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, y'all, you're in for something. I mean, I... Treat? I don't know about a treat, but (laughs) some truth and some realness. And um, I heard Shauna's story a couple weeks ago and knew immediately that I wanted to share it with y'all. Shauna's boys go to school where my boys go to school. And uh, anyway, I truly didn't know all that you were walking through um, when I would see you in carpool and living history days and all the things. I had a good smile on my face. You did a good job of, I don't know, you were just really kind still. I think walking through that could make a person pull away. very much so. But you have handled a lot and walked through an enormous amount. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, we keep referring to what you've gone through. Yes. But, you know... I'll tell the story. Yeah. Okay. Let's tell the story. Sure. So I have been pregnant 11 times, mm-hmm. um, and I have two precious boys, 10 and 7, and I've got a monster of a football team in heaven, so I'll challenge anyone that <laughs> wants to have a go once we get up there. Um, I, My husband and I got married in 2004, mm-hmm. and we started trying to get pregnant a couple of years, and I, I kind of just always had a sixth sense that something was wrong. Um mm-hmm. Maybe I walked through my best friend's infertility battle, and maybe that got in my head. I'm not sure, but I always just felt something was going to happen. Mm. Um, we tried to get pregnant with Harlan. We took about a year. Um, I thought that was pretty easy because I was working, and we were traveling and living our life. And our second IUI, we got pregnant with Harlan. He was my first pregnancy, and I was not aware of what a miracle he was going to be. Um, moving forward. But during our pregnancy, we learned that I had a just a minor genetic abnormality that made me a little jacked up, um, where it's called a balanced translocation. And that's basically where I'm very normal. I've got all my all my stuff, as we all do. But one set of my DNA, the top of my nine is at the bottom of my three and the bottom of three is at the top of the nine. On the genetic on on one of my genetic DNAs. Yeah. One side's normal, one side has that. So unfortunately, with all of my research with genetic counselors at the time, only 77% of the time, or excuse me, 77% of the time, the baby, when you're creating a baby, it will not be formed naturally. The DNA will become a bit wonky and therefore um, the baby will miscarry. So we were so blessed to have a healthy baby in Harlan um, in 2007 And really started about the time he was 18 months old to walk that road to try to give him a sibling. And I want to say, too, you said it took about a year. Yes. There's a gal out there that's three months in. Okay. To that year. And she, her friends, it's like they're, they, the spouses joke that they just look at each other and they're pregnant. (laughs) And she's going to baby shower after baby shower. It's heart-wrenching. And she's three months in and it feels like... It's not going to happen. And you're, you know, 
you say just a year. Just a year. I but did that, say that. But to you, I mean, all that you've walked through since. Right. And that my perspective year, in yeah. telling the story is is so skewed by the fact of, like, that one year was really nothing. Now. N- now. Yeah. Looking now, back. like, the perspective. Of right. That, yes. Now, I will say to anyone out there that is just starting this road that um, back in the day, I don't know if it's still the, the whole unspoken rule, but you have to try a year before, before you they, go to mm-hmm. like a, a specialist or a reproductive endocrinologist, I was about six months in before I pulled that trigger. I was just like, you this just is, made the I just made the decision. Yeah. I mean, no one needed to tell me what to do. And so I <laughs> went and found a fabulous doctor and I was right to go because we were messed up and we needed some assistance. Um, but it was frustrating. I mean, I'm any women out there that are dealing with this, you know, the, the pregnancy tests that are negative and the, you know, monthly cycles starting right when they're supposed to, um, and the false hope every year, it's heart wrenching. And there's a lot of on your knees moments, um, Mm -hmm. during that time when you want to trust the Lord and you want to trust his plan for you. But deep down, you're like, this is not what my plan is, Lord. Mm -mm. This is supposed to be easy. And this is, you know, my best friend's pregnant and, you know, and it's so easy and it's not for me and I don't know why. So that's definitely a struggle. And I'm, it's real. So yeah, I feel that, but yeah, but, but, have but I have Harlan and it was so great. 18 months old. He was 18 months old and we started trying to have a, a sibling for him. And we had about three miscarriages and then decided with IUIs, we decided to go all in with an IVF and went crazy in an economic downturn, decided to spend entirely too much money to do IVF and all this genetic paneling to make sure the babies were normal and therefore it would be the pregnancy would take. And, um, and, and for the one, the Yahoo's listening and she may have heard her friend say IUI, IVF. Sure. What the differences are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. IUI is um, a turkey baster for basically for those ladies out there who have done IUI. Um, it's basically just you are given both cases. You're given medication to stimulate your eggs and your ovaries. And then you are given, for IUI, you're given um, Ovidril or another type of drug to actually force ovulation. And an IUI, once those eggs reach your, you know, kind of are released, and they can be multiple. There can be one, there can be multiple, depending on um, how much drugs you use. Then a turkey baster uses your husband's sperm and is released into your uterus. And so it is basically forcing ovulation, bypassing any issues where the sperm wouldn't reach the uterus, and that is IUI. It's like, yeah. It's, it's basically just help help along God's... Uh, they're, you're, they're making sure all the pieces yes. are in place in the right timing right. for yes. you, just for in you. case that is There's where issues. the issue is. Right, happening. exactly. And for some people. And for some people, that's the issue. And that's how you got pregnant with Harlan. That's how I got pregnant with Harlan. And that's how I got pregnant with Jackson crazy interesting i know it's iuis okay and then but you were like but you were like okay let's amp it up we're oh we're gonna amp it this we're up going, we had three miscarriages you'd had three miscarriages we got between harlan it's harlan we have three miscarriages we decided to amp it up because and we did ivf and ivf is just kind of the gangbusters version of iui so for anyone that doesn't know they you know pump you up full of medicine get all those eggs, force the ovulation again, and then basically go in and put you under in a twilight version um, and remove those eggs. Mm. And then they take your husband's sperm. And I mean, 
this is, I am not a doctor, but the but they like, I'm, they combine the, yes, the egg and the right. sperm and then they, they make your embryos and then they hope that they grow and whatnot. And then they end up back implanting them. And right. the goal is for this baby to continue to grow. And, and they're making baby. sure there's viable embryos. There's, of course. Right. Yeah. Via, they're graded. And, That's and why they're doing it outside of the uterus. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we so did on this. We yeah. had, uh, gosh, I think we had 17 embryos, mm. um, 15 it um, survived to the uh, biopsy stage. We biopsy them just to make sure that they were healthy and that they would survive. Um, only two survived the biopsy. Talk about emotional going in that day and finding that out. Um, and so, your hopes are all in these. Oh, our these hopes numbers. are just are yeah. not, you know, our hopes yeah. are, our hopes are we just get pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. and that hope an infertility journey. It's all about hope. Mm hmm. Because if you don't have hope in your dream, you're crushed. Mm-hmm. And numbers support that hope. Numbers support that hope. Yeah. The so, more, the more options, the more right, opportunity, right. the more, the higher the chance. Exactly. So you walk so you just, in. There's I mean, you just, two. Yeah, there's two. And I'm like, I had 15 yesterday. What happened? Mm. So we implanted both. When we, um, because of all the genetic paneling, we knew that they were girls. Mm. So I got pregnant with both, and we were obviously thrilled. We called them his girls. For several weeks. Um, and just we, you know, that was pictured in our life. And we, long story short, we went in about eight and a half weeks or so for another um, sonogram and we had lost them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when your reproductive endocrinologist is holding your hand crying with you, that mm-hmm. um, it's a bad day. So we had a DNC and I will say that, um, that was September of, oh goodness, 2009. It took me to my knees, Heather. It mm-hmm. took me to my knees. Um, lots of yelling at the Lord. Yeah. You know, um, why does it have to be this hard? Why, why are you doing this to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was a rough go. Um, but we moved forward and, got pregnant one other time, I believe. And it was a, another miscarriage, an early miscarriage. And then we got pregnant with our Jackson, um, who is now seven and is just a joy. And we got pregnant. We found, started the process of IUI with Jackson. Um, and we found out the week that the twin girls were supposed to be born was the week that we got pregnant with Jackson. Mm-hmm. And that to me has always been just such this is all God's plan here. I never would have had Jackson if I had had our girls as Reed referred to them as. And I was very, very able to deal with that. And, you know, that was my story. I really wanted to share my story because at that point I'd had multiple miscarriages. I'd gone through a lot, but I was still able to live my life and to love the Lord and to trust that there was a plan and we moved on. Our family was complete. Yay. Done. Two boys. Super cute boys. That's, all. Oh, thank I'll you. post pictures somehow, but <laughs> they're you. like thank not you. even just boys. They're like adorable and sweet. <laughs> they're really, yes, you know, they're, they're winter boys. They are very, very sweet. They have their moments. Um, as they all do. <laughs> as, but we all, yes. as we all do. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. Um, but so our family was complete and we moved on down the road. And when, and I, 
because of my issues and because of my balance translocation, and I also have polycystic ovarian syndrome, mm. um, I was told I was just never going to be able to get pregnant on my own. Just so we never really, you know, my husband's going to kill me, but we never discussed vasectomies and we never like discussed me why there yeah. was, I mean, yeah. there was no need when you're in an infertility state, you aren't thinking about right. prevent. And I honestly think at that point, you know, we were in our mid mid thirties and it was kind of like, well, I mean, literally if something happened and some miracle occurred, I mean, great, but you know, years passed and nothing happened. We actually got surprisingly pregnant when Jackson was 18 months old. And it, I mean, there was never even a heartbeat. We were like, that had to be some weird mistake. Like I don't even, but it kind of ignited in us this passion again to grow our family. And mm. um, Reed is one of four. I'm just one of two, but I had always prayed for a huge, big family. And um, so we just kind of started revisiting that again and decided, okay, Lord, we're going to pray about it. We're going to go crazy again, IVF. And with the genetic paneling where we're biopsying some stuff and this is it. Mm. And so we really prayed. I mean, hands held on our knees. You tell us what to do, Lord. And did all the stuff, did the IVF, got 10 embryos this time because now I'm a little older mm. and um, not one of them were normal enough to implant. So normal enough. So someone listening like nor- there was because there was of no your genetic issues, because of your genetic twisting right. situation, right? That- all 10 of them were messed up in some way, like that up, would not have survived it's a not, pregnancy. They weren't viable. This isn't. This is beyond like people would say. Oh, are you doing like with Down syndrome, where there's an oh, extra chromosome? This is right. not a no, child no, no, that no. could live this and is, would have some special needs. This is a this child is right. that over the top will not survive the womb. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, you hear trisomies and things like yeah. that, where babies like it. You know, yeah. those kinds microcephaly, of things. all the things. But with beautiful children, the people love. But they live. They live exactly. Yes, these are live. not. These yes. are totally true, non-viable. Yes, and you know, everyone's telling you there's. This is not going to end yes, well. Yes. Kind of. And thing. you've experienced. And we've, you've ex- mis- you've we've miscarried, miscarried these babies. Yes. So that to us was heartbreaking. But just that. I mean, you know, they always say that the Lord, if one door opens or closes, another one opens, kind of thing. And God, mm-hmm. God's trying to give you a sign. And let me tell you, He slammed that door shut in our face. Mm-hmm. There was never even a. Okay. It's like, this is a bad idea, guys. Like, we're not even, you don't need another baby. Look at these two healthy children. And I'm thinking too, as the gal listening who's experienced infertility, the financial. Oh, this is is thousands. Oh, it's thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. And And to to have that door slammed when there's all hurts. Oh, man. It's like investing in anything. Well, and I think that if you work, when I, I worked at a huge consulting company when I was, trying to get pregnant with Harlan and we had amazing insurance. And I always joke that Harlan cost $50 to have because it was everything was paid for mm-hmm. and it was amazing. And then, um, my family uh, or my husband has a family owned real estate, commercial real estate company. So that insurance little different mm-hmm. than the 50,000 employee consulting right. firm. Right, right, just right, right. Slightly, slightly, just a bit. Different. So this is not only an emotional investment. Oh, it's wildly we're like, expensive. We're thinking, you know, putting our hopes in a growing You're thinking, family. I will, I will tell you that when we lost the twins and then when this happened, um, it was somewhere between twenty and $30,000, which for my family does not come lightly. 
No, no, this is a cost. This is a... This is a cost. Major. And this is a cost. Very physical. You know, but very financial. This was a huge decision, a huge prayer situation. So, yeah. So, all this hope, all this money, all for the woman going through it, it's uncomfortable. And you ladies out there that are dealing with this, man, I am with you and I just want to hug you right now because sometimes walking across that living room with those swollen ovaries, it's, it's a track. Um, and it's, so I, and then, and then the, like, I don't know if it's shame comes on you or embarrassment. Why can't I do this? But people that know that you invested that money, it's kind of like, well, and we didn't tell we, we, I think people kind of knew when we did the twins Mm -hmm. because we told some people, but at this point, no one knew. And actually, I think you mentioned our boys in the living history days and whatnot at the beginning of this podcast, but the, the day that we found out that they were not normal, the no, none of these two are viable, that I wasn't getting any, the very next day was Harlem's colonial day. And I had to show up in the most beautiful colonial dress you ever did see costume that I borrowed and had to help first grade children, Bob for apples and just bending over hurt. And I had a smile on my face and not one person knew because that's what you do when you have a first grader. <laughs> you and you've been walking. And this you've road. been walking this road. You just plaster like, the smile. And you know, I think I heard that day that two people were pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and because this, I mean, for everyone listening, they don't know like the culture of our school. Yes. I feel like you don't see that whole grade together, all the moms, until that day in the spring. Right. Well, I, I don't think feel also like it's a, if you have a boy, moms, you're moms, at, you're yes. playing boys, and if you're girl, boys, I think sports, yeah. I don't think that's just our school. I think that's just kind of yeah. But we have this one day where this all, one day, all the moms are gathered. All the moms are together. So if you, they may have been pregnant for months, but you didn't know until that know. day. Yes. Yeah. And I think too, if you're trying to get pregnant, it's almost like. Something is in the water in your city and everyone's pregnant and you're drinking the wrong stuff. Suddenly your brain is very aware. Yes. And you're picking it up. It's like um, someone said that there's a part of your brain. My friend Kat Lee told me, let's say you're shopping for a car and Honda Pilot is what you guys decide to buy. And okay. you see Honda Pilots everywhere. Yes. There's a reticular, some part of your brain that turns on to basically filter out everything else. So all other news is going away. Interesting. Okay. You well, that's what happens when you're in. trying to get pregnant. Yes, when you're trying to get pregnant. <laughs> Everyone's Everyone pregnant. is pregnant. There's teen pregnancies. There's oh, gosh. Everybody. And you start feels- getting mad. You're like, why is a 16-year-old girl on the news pregnant? And I'm... And I have so much love to give, and, and, and this I'm is not, not happening. And I'm not. Yeah. Right. So you're doing this thing. You're, the store is slammed shut. And we just... We had to find a way to walk away. Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember that summer sitting on a friend's patio and um, holding a glass of wine and praying and bawling that mm. I see that door that the Lord is wanting me to walk through to get to the other side of this whole journey. And I can't walk through it. Mm. And I prayed and prayed. And those closest to me know that that was the hardest road to walk away from all of that. And I did. And I managed to, I really always took the verses that the Lord talks about the desire of your heart mm-hmm. to mean that, well, the desire of my heart, Lord, is to grow my family. Mm. And so if I am fervently believing in you. And this isn't a bad thing. And, the, and right. And I, and then I kind of switched it to, okay, the desire of our heart that the Lord truly wants is us to know him and to love him mm. and to be in his word. And that's mm. what he wants the desire of our heart to be. Not me going through another round of IUI over here to have another baby mm. is what I kind of, how I closed that door. And 
it still stung when, you know, so-and-so down the road accidentally got pregnant Mm -hmm. with her fourth kid. Mm -hmm. That hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, But I moved on, and life happened, and um, we were enjoying the season of our life with our boys being more Mm self-sufficient and being able to do more things. And um, we found out we got a – I told Reed if we weren't going to have a third baby, I wanted another dog. And um, we got a dog – Last, so in 2017, we got a dog on February 13th, and might I say that we lovingly called him the devil. I remember seeing you with that dog, oh and I've never seen How you so How do I tense. still have him? I have you do still? I do still have him. But he, like, ate things and required surgeries. He did. He's an expensive dog, too. I am going to have a special place in heaven just because I love this dog so (laughs) I can convince. Anyway, we got – his name is Tank. And we got Tank on February 13th. And on March 6th of last year, we found out that we were pregnant. And I was 40. I had just turned 40. And to say that I took the news well was – that was not true. Um, it was very shocking. It was an automatic, Lord, what have you done? Like, I've just closed my heart. I've just healed. I spent a decade Mm -hmm. almost doing this. We already went through this path, God. Okay. This has been fun. Um, no. Um, and I went, I immediately called my reproductive endocrinologist who saw me on an almost weekly basis. Um, did all kinds of tests. This baby was healthy. This baby was a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pregnancy just continued and continued and continued. And, um, I always joked that I wanted to write a book, um, about all of these things and just be that hope for women that, cause man, it's depressing yeah. and to, and there's not a lot of love out there and a lot of, um, faith based inspiration, mm-hmm. um, and humor with it. and humor with it. Because yeah. if you cannot laugh at yourself mm-hmm. in some situations, you're going to be a mess. And I was always able to kind of be like, to laugh a little bit about it and Mm -hmm. to have a smile on my face, even though I was dying inside at points. Mm -hmm. But so I, um, I'm like, well, this is going to be great. This is the ending of your book to this book. Um, we told our boys, we told our family, um, we named her, her name was Sophie Caroline Buchler and she was just the, the final chapter of our family. She was just going to be perfect. Um, and then I went in for my five month checkup, um, you know, just the huge and, um, we had lost her. She, um, within they, they literally think that we had lost her within 24 hours prior to me going into the doctor. Um, that was an out of body experience. Um, out of body experience. There's really no way to say it. That was a, they believe that they, because of her, her size and whatnot and, and everything, they believe that we had lost her sometime, um, within the night, Monday going into Tuesday. And on Tuesday was the appointment that I had. Um, and then unfortunately, which in modern medicine, a little frustrating to find out, that if you're far enough along and they believe the baby is big enough that to basically save the mother from traumatic blood loss, they can't just do a DNC or a C-section. Or a C-section. I begged them through hysteric tears 
do a C-section, take this baby out and tie my tubes. I never want this to happen again. Mm. Not happening. Um, they had two separate doctors and my husband begging me not to do this. Um, and so I had to deliver our sweet Sophie. And that basically deals with going in for two days straight and having medicine stuck up inside of you to start the process of labor because your body, of course, still has your has months sent the to go. It right, sent the messages that it's right. time to deliver. Yeah. Um, and I, we ended up. I checked into the hospital Friday morning at seven a.m. on the sixteenth, and they were like, "Well, you'll be done. You'll have her by the afternoon and be home in the evening, hopefully, or sometime in the middle of the night." And just because. I felt truly I was being punished. We did not have her until 2.27 in the morning on Saturday, June 17th. Um, I vividly remember as they were giving me the epidural, um, holding the sweet nurse's arms and saying, I am being punished. I don't know why the Lord is punishing me, but he is. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. And it was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. And I tell you what, we got to hold her. I got to hold my sweet baby girl. And leaving the hospital without your child um, and knowing that I'll see her one day, but by no means on this earth, um, it is the most guttural response as a woman mm-hmm. that you can have. Um And I will say that there is no way I would have survived that because when something like that happens to me, I don't know about you or anyone listening, but to say I was mad at the Lord is an understatement. Oh, we weren't speaking. The anger. Oh my gosh, the anger. I was thankful that a friend that I had become acquaintances with a few months before, man, the people that Lord put in your path um, had gone through literally the exact same thing. I think six years prior with the same doctors, the same hospital, the same everything. And she called me and she walked that walk, told me what to expect, told me how it was going to go down. Um, And my best friend had people praying for me. Like, honestly, we would not have gone through and survived that time in our life had we not had people praying for us around the clock. Because sometimes the anger and the heartbreak, when your heart beats tragedy, there is no prayer that can literally you can form. And maybe others can't. I could not. I, I needed a break from the Lord and I had other people holding that connection for me. Um, and, and it's okay. And it's okay. And she's listening and she's feeling these feelings. Oh, being it, it, I had, I had a couple of people that I think were surprised. I was angry with the Lord. Um, but I had the vast majority, um, my minister, I ended up getting a a fabulous therapist that man therapy is the way people, (laughs) I am a big proponent of that and meeting with your minister. If you, if you have someone in the community that you trust in your church, um, but yes, it is okay to be angry at the Lord. He's 
bigger than that. He, he is bigger it. than your anger. He can handle that. Yeah. Um, and I, it took a lot. Um, went to a support group. It was a very rough summer. I'm so looking forward to 2018 summer and actually being able to swim because, you know, when you have had a baby, no, no, you can't. There's, you, there's blood. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. No, I, mean, no, I, I, I had a baby. I learned that when my third w- was born in July. Oh, yeah. And I had these two other kids who were looking at me like, what are we going to do all day? It's 100 degrees outside. Yes. And I'm like, uh. So I have two yeah, sons not, at the yeah. time, nine and six, who were like, grieving the loss of their sister. Right. They yes. Grieving, you yes. know, I mean, there's talk a about. Whole thing there. Yeah. We right. Talk about, yeah. talk about like learning hardship. I mean, I'm like, Lord, is there not a better way to have done this, to mm-hmm. have taught perseverance to my children than by, like, teaching them that this stuff happens? Mm-hmm. Um, and so life went on, and we were chatting about Reed um, getting a vasectomy. I'm going to make sure he does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> my husband has a vasectomy. Oh, yes. He'll be it's like, okay. thank you, honey. It's okay. Um, we yes, we were, talk about We that. were talking about that, and literally... <laughs> The day before he went in for his evaluation where right, they right. discussed this is what's going to happen, we um, had ourselves another surprise and found out that we were pregnant yet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, my best friend likes to say that I went through the grieving process and three days later I found out I was pregnant. Um, which, I mean, I'm still, there are times, obviously, I just cried on your podcast. No, so, grief, I mean, grief, grief like, comes yeah. and goes and there's yeah. definitely times. Um, so we found out we were pregnant yet again. And, um, this time we did not tell our children, so please don't go telling them if you know me. Yeah. Um, I should probably, honestly, at some point I'm going to have to break the news. Um, but we found out it was a boy and he was healthy until we lost him at three months. Um, I mean, to say that my emotions and my relationship with the Lord was up and down in 2017 is an understatement. Um, I have to say that the reason, and I was had been talking to Heather about starting a blog or writing a book or do something. Don't let this be wasted. To yeah. Yes, to share the story. Because I truly believe that the story that I have had is too crazy. My options are one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I can either hold on to the anger and be mad the rest of my mm-hmm. life and use this as some form of I'm, I'm being punished and I don't know why and just go on. Or I could turn a corner and just trust in the Lord and make figure out why this has happened. And I've kind of tried to create my own why. Mm-hmm. And my own why is that I'm sharing my story in the, helps, in the hope that it helps somebody else. Because going through... Losing a child, holding that child and giving it back to the doctor to take away from you forever or being told you're not pregnant again. I'm so sorry. Or getting pregnant and losing the baby before you see a heartbeat, whatever it is as a woman. And when you want to become a mother, it's your hope. And you're like, why is it me? Why am I being punished? And I just, I want everyone out there to know that there is a community of women where we are in a sorority that no one wants to be in and we're all in it. And I have found that in talking with people the last couple of months of, I've started to kind of share my story and put it out there. So many women have ended up crying to me about their story. You know, I've never told anyone, but five years ago, this, or I never told anyone this. And we protect ourselves. Because it's 
hurts too much not to. And I think that the Lord is bigger than that. And I think that we can share and we can be there for one another on this. Mm. Yeah. So don't mom alone. Yeah. (laughs) And don't (laughs) struggle becoming a mom alone. Oh my gosh. No. And I think that um, infertility awareness week is coming is yes, is this week. And I, I don't even know if I had this 10 years ago, the generation beyond ours, it's a, you suck it up. Mm-hmm. And we don't ever even, talk about it. Even you and I, in talking about how you were, you know, suffering oh, and gosh. yet continuing on and put on the smile. Do you regret that? I mean, how it, it feels like in order to function, you can't <sighs> fully feel yes. every emotion all the time, or you would just be crying be, all the time. I mean, I, was, I feel like in that what I walked through the last year, I couldn't like no think about it. Every second, or I would just... You would lose it. I would have no friends, and <laughs> I'd be in a hole. Yes. I mean, it would, it's just not plausible. And then when you have kids... When you have children... And you can't really be grieving constantly. They, they want to have a childhood you, as well. Yes. Right? And I will say that I wanted to... If I had the ability to... If, if we had not had children, I would have... It would have been horrible, because I would have sat in my PJs all day. Reap would not have been able to get me out of bed. It would have mm-hmm. been true depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have two little angel boys that are truly my miracles. Mm-hmm. Like walking this road that I have walked, these boys are meant to be here. And oh my goodness, I cannot wait to find out what the Lord has in store for them because they are the only two that survived mm-hmm. of my multitude of children right. that are in heaven. Right. So, um, but they, I had to get up for them and I, they grieved. And after a while, Reed had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. So it was me and the boys grieving during the day um, throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. And I will say that after about a month, and I had not seen anyone, I talked to my best friend, and then I find I had about a few people I would text with. Right. Um, and my read, my husband said, All right, babe, here's the deal. You have to, and we had tried to get back to church at this point too, mm-hmm. and I cried the entire service like head down just tears so like it was an it was like I was mad at my best friend I was Mm. mad at like my my, my boyfriend like I I had someone cheated on me you know what I'm saying it's a betrayal like Like, I trusted you I trusted you you, and now I'm in the house of the Lord right so I I went to church once in the summer and I did not get back to church again until Christmas Eve service. Mm -hmm. Did a lot of watching online at home, but I couldn't, I did not feel I could walk in there. I just felt, I felt there's a difference between being like, okay, I'm good with you, Lord. And then walking into his house Mm. and those emotions Mm. that come from there. It's really interesting. Um, But Reed told me about a month after we lost Sophie, he said, here's the deal. You are going to have to start talking to people. Mm. And you are going to have to start having conversations with people and just pick your people that you want to have over and just let the kids swim and you and your friend can talk or else you're going to relive this mm. the moment school starts back mm. and people are trying to touch you in the hallway and say they're sorry in the hallway. You have to, he mm. forced me out of that hole. And I have to tell you, I'm going to grab a Kleenex, but I'm going to make it through this in the excitement. I have told several people about that and several people that he was so crucial in my healing process. 
And I've been told by a handful of people that their specific prayer all through this process was that Renai's marriage would strengthen Mm. and that he would be able to bring the Lord's strength to me. I mean, are you kidding me that people are praying that? Yeah. So I'm very, I mean, this stuff can break you, your marriage, or it can bring you together. And I think that Mm. those of you walking through that men heal differently and men process this stuff differently. And as a woman, we just need to know that, love them, help them along the way because they in turn are our strength. And I think that if we're praying together over the situation, that it is amazing what the Lord can do in our marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am thankful that he kind of pulled me out of that. But grief is, grief is hard, oh, man. man. Uh, yeah. Oh, a whole new thing about grief. Yeah. And so. I mean, I don't even, and there are some amazing Bible verses that <laughs> yeah, what deal is, with grief. Well, you have Bible verses out. Where were these for? No, I was, so when I, I would say it was after our first miscarriage about 10, uh, nine or 10 years ago, I, in pure on desperation and tears one night, I think Reed was at a business dinner, grabbed a index card and literally flipped through the Bible and found five Bible verses. And I've got this note card. It is still to this day. It has got coffee spilled on it. It has been torn. It's been moved three times. It is a disaster. But if I ever lost this, I think I would start crying. Mm. Um, but it's five verses. And can I share yeah, them? Yeah, share them. I'll and put them in the show notes too, y'all. Yes. So if um, you can't grab a pen, I and have it there. The, this is also, I mean, I think that this is truly not just infertility, not for infant loss or even miscarriage, just for anything, obviously, yeah, that when people go through. I mean, I look at that. I have been times I have looked at this every day. Yeah. I have times where I just pull it out, give it a kiss and say a prayer. Yeah. Um, but these were the ones that were great. Um, this one, I believe it's First Timothy 1.7, um, but that part of the index card is ripped. Ah! So we might need to do a little I'll research. Find I'll find it. It's an easy Google. Um, it's easy Google. God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And I think that's important through when walking through infertility because I think you start getting a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. and you start putting a lot of pressure on yourself and there's a lot of stress yeah. and a lot of why me and why is this happening to me and why can't I do what God gave me the body to do? Yeah. Um, and that was kind of a mantra I said over and over again. Um Going along the same lines of that, First John four eighteen, where God's love is, there is no fear because God's perfect love drives out fear. It is punishment that makes a person fear. So love is not made perfect in the person that fears. And that's a harsh one. I kind of felt, but I also felt it was in the same thing. Like I was always scared. I was just mm-hmm. infertility brings. Yeah, I can't explain that. I, I know that people listening will be like, "Yes, yes." Finger I think, on the nose. I mean, you're just scared of failure. You're scared yes. of of the rejection again, or the yes. of the hope. You're holding, like you said, this hope. You're putting all your hopes in this, and you're scared it's not going to hold. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and the last three are easy. Philippians four thirteen. Um, you know, I can do all things through Christ because He gives me strength. That's a favorite. Yeah. Um, Psalm. 2714 was wait for the Lord's help, be strong and brave and wait for the Lord's help because mm, there's a lot of waiting, a lot of waiting, months, um, months of waiting, months, weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think the one that I held on to the most, 
And I think was why the Lord and I had quite a bit of difficulty last year is Luke one thirty seven, And that is for nothing is impossible with God. Mm. Um, and that can be anything. I think you've had stories in other podcasts that that would be true for that. I think it's, I'll tell you what, that verse right there is Harlan and Jackson Buchler. Right. Because I think that me having, um, you know, that road, they are, they are, were the impossible and God mm-hmm. made them happen. So, and it's this, the, the, and the wrestling there is if nothing is impossible, why aren't you giving me the thing that I want? Yeah. What? Yeah. The desire of your heart. I mean, you hear all these verses and, and, and is, it being bigger. Yes. His, his plans plan. and desires being trumping yes. our plans and desires. Our plans. Like my boys can desire to eat all the candy. Oh, yes. And yes, that's not necessarily a good desire, but let's say they have it as I want to be a professional true. baseball player. Right. That may not. Might not come to fruition. Come to fruition. But it's the right. decent desire. I mean, decent. It's not bad. It's great. But yes. I think that these this, these are the these are the four dimensional, fifth dimensional, thirteen dimensional questions right. that we can't even wrap our mind around how yeah. God's working and yet it, it it's okay to wrestle it. It's okay to wrestle and like I said, you know, we didn't have the twins because we have Jackson and right. that that's you, great. You, but I think that it comes to a point where when this past year happened, I had a friend say, you might not, you might not be able to look back and see that ever. Right. You might not know the why. And I heard, um, Bruce's cousin talking about, I told you this, that some of the things that God's doing, we'll never know the why we'll never know the how or the what or whatever it is. We just draw a circle around it and call it holy and say it is out because we, we worship a holy and big God beyond Mm -hmm. our understanding we won't be able to tie it up in a ribbon and we put this big circle around it and call it holy and worship the God who is separate from us. Yeah. Because we want to humanize him so much that we often lose the fact that he is so set apart from us as far as like the, what he's doing and that we'll never right. know. His plan. Yeah. We have no idea. <laughs> no concept. Okay. So before we have to go. Yes. One, so they can connect with you. Yes. You have started this blog. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And let's talk about the name. It's called? It's called Lunchbox Babies. Lunchbox Babies. Yes. And why? So just very quickly, um, when we were the twins back in the day um, and we were doing our, the whole genetic panel, they we had options and we could either fly an embryologist from Chicago to biopsy the embryos and make sure that they were normal here in Dallas. Or they we could take our embryos and put them in this kind of cryogenic box. They said it was the size of a lunchbox. Frozen cryogenic box and fly to Chicago and meet with the embryologist there. And I very vividly remember saying, so what you're telling me is that you want me to put my babies in a lunchbox and fly across the country. And they said, actually, yes, that's what we're asking. And after lots of discussion about weather delays and, you know, me at Terminal D at DFW, (laughs) a frozen lunchbox of children, we decided no. And we would fly the embryologist here to Dallas. So um, I always said at that time, you know what, this is so insane. I'm going to write a book and it's going to be called My Babies Are in This Lunchbox and Other Crazy Infertility Stories. Because I feel like when you're pregnant... There's all these really funny books, like My yeah. Girlfriend's Guide to Pregnancy and Janine McCarthy books and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And there's nothing like that. There's nothing amusing yeah. and hope and community building with infertility. So I always said that, and I always talked about it, and it always got put on the perpetual back burner. 
So the book quite is, the year. It's okay. Yeah, I had had a bit of a year last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we um, it's stalled right now. It might die forever. It might come back one day. Um, but I just shortened it. Lunchbox babies. Lunchbox babies. Lunchbox. That babies. is not stalled though. That is live. It is live, baby. I will put a link in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you. And um, for a gal listening who's made it through the story because it's it's just incredible how you tell it and. I think it gives perspective to those of us who may take for granted the gift of not walking through this. So it is helpful for us to give praise to God in the areas of our life that we do take for granted. I mean, a lot of us in our marriages alone, we like to nitpick. Yes. <laughs> but thank you, God, for giving me a supportive husband. Thank you. you know, sure. Things that yes. we always, it's always good to have perspective. And so, but she, I'm guessing, has a friend who's struggling. What is her best way? To support her, besides telling her to listen to this episode, but like, of course, what what did you find most helpful? You said people praying for you when you had no words. Yes. What tangible things? What practical things? Well, I think it depends on what you know. If your friend is just is going through infertility, I think beyond everything, when you're not walking the walk and you're watching someone do it, it's so easy to just dismiss that person's feelings. Mm. You know, mm. realize. Don't dismiss anyone's feelings. I'm not saying anyone would, but, Mm -hmm. and just their emotions are raw, especially Mm -hmm. when you're being, your hormones, oh my gosh, through. Like you maybe don't take it personally. Yeah. Says something. (laughs) Well, I think that. Like if your friend who's going through infertility says something hurtful, like don't. Well, I just think just give her a little for her. Give her a little, you know, just be there for her, you know, bring her coffee. I mean, but if, if we're talking like miscarriages, infant loss, really big, hard things, man, pray. You know, sometimes I didn't know what to tell people besides, I mean, man, I rocked your world, didn't I? I I rocked so many people's worlds with my 2017. Mm. Um, And I got a lot of amazing scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a lot of amazing just prayers, people texting me prayers, people calling me, leaving messages with prayers. Mm. Um, I will say the best thing I got, and I'm actually writing a post on this in the next couple of weeks about things to do to help. It's the exact same thing. Okay. We'll point um, people to that. Yes. But um, just unexpected sweet surprises. Are you going to um, tell the pedicure? Story? Yes. Okay. Yes. Please do. Um, I was the first time I got out of the house um, without my kids um, after we had lost Sophie. Um, I was still in a lot of, you know, just physical pain. And emotionally, I was crushed. And kind of I, numb. And numb. Very numb. Mm-hmm. And I... With no makeup on and a baseball hat very low over my eyes, I went and hid at a new pedicure place because I couldn't go back to my usual one because they knew I was pregnant. So I had to fire them. I still to this day have not been back because I do not want to tell them where my baby girl is. Is that not sad? No, 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 no. But that's the trick with a midterm situation. Who who do I have to fire? Enough people know you still might look a little pregnant and you're having you're having the questions. Yes. When's the baby doing? You're like, I don't even want to. I don't know. I can't even do this. So, no. yeah, they got fired. So I found a new place. <laughs> and so I went and I was just like, I'm going to just treat myself. And I'm kind of hiding down Rolo. And about 15 minutes before I'm finished, I look up and see one of my dear friend's daughters just smiling ear to ear at me going, Mrs. Buchler, he is here, mommy, Mrs. Buchler. And I look up and see my friend who is just as wide eyed as I am seeing me out of the house. And she just says, I'm so glad to see you. And I smiled and looked down and silently bawled my eyes out 
while my nail polish was drying. And she never said one more word to me during that time. She let me grieve and let me just mm-hmm. be in peace. And I got up and I went to pay the bill and they said, she took care of it for you. Mm-hmm. And I turned around. She was crying. I was crying. I gave her a hug and she goes, I just didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, I'm stealing that yeah. <laughs> for any of you people out there that I know that are having not hopefully Lord have mercy. Hopefully right. you don't lose a baby, yeah. but any other issues, I'm going to buy in some manicures and pedicures because it was so like selfless. Like it was those sweet yeah. surprises that kind of help get you through your day and the lack of words. And yet yes. the power of those words, I'm Letting so grieve. glad to see you is a welcoming, yes. comforting yes. statement that doesn't require any response from you. No. And the allow to like let that person then sit yeah. and cry silently. Yes. Giving her you space, but yet she's yes. here and yet she supports you because in that yes. could be a meal that you're paying for. It could be it could be anything. It could be anything, but I think she just modeled such a gracious way yes. to handle a friend walking through a hard yes. time. And it was like, I see you. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. And she said later, she said, I think that I was the perfect person to do that. Because she's like, I didn't know what to say. And I didn't know what to do. She like didn't even have the words. She didn't have. Well, and I think a lot of times when people walk through a hard time, you don't have the words. No. And you're like throwing a Bible verse that away. <laughs> you're like, oh, do I throw a verse? Do I, what right. do I do? Yeah. And what do I do? And so it's, it's hard for the people trying to help other people because sometimes, man. And then silence, complete silence. You feel really alone. Yes. Like I know. I, I try. Oh, my gosh. I'm just realizing. I try to write down anniversaries for people. Okay. So like June 17th. Yes. That day. Remind, remembering with people. Yes. Remembering with people, this would have been the birthday of our twins. Like when you had that date and you had, it's in your mind really strongly. People are really good in the first year after my dad passed at the six month mark at, you know, to send a text and say, you know, I know this is a hard day or father's day, whatever it was like, that is a tiny thing to put on your calendar recurring. That means a lot that you're with someone that you see them. Because yeah. grief is isolating. Yeah. It's yeah. like you're on an island by yourself and you're going along and you're taking your kids to school yeah. and you're meeting right. a friend here for coffee. But it's just... It's in your mind heavier very much than so. people recognize. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Shauna. <laughs> okay, y'all. Go to Lunchbox Baby. And so I am not the Debbie Downer of the internet. That is my You are totally thing. not. Are you yes. joking me? No, you're yes. amazing. We're going to try to just do all this together because it's a hard walk, and I would love to walk with you. I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. That's so great. It is not easy, and if I was with you and sitting with you, one resource I would want to give someone who's going through grief, whether it's the loss of a child um, that you know was midterm pregnancy or full-term or um, a listener reached out this week who lost her 17-month-old. Whatever you're grieving, a tool that has helped me um, this last year when I was grieving the loss of my dad, which, again, we don't compare grief. I've learned that. We just don't. Um, but a tool that is very sound, biblically based, super helpful to me when you don't have the words. Uh, like Shauna said, she didn't have the prayers. Was this She Reads Truth uh, Morning and Dancing study. So it has scripture that's a balance of the the dark side of life, uh, death, and then 
uh, resurrection. And it just goes back and forth so beautifully between in scripture choices to um, acknowledge the pain of this dark world and yet also the truth of who God is in the midst of it. And then it also trains you how to write a lament in the pattern of David and how he was so open with his feelings and yet always came back to the truth of who God was. And that's what we have to do because like Shauna showed us, we can start believing lies. Like I'm being punished. I must have done something wrong. Almost like Job's friends sitting with them. Like, what did you do that was wrong? Or the the child who was born blind, what did, who sinned, his, him or his parents? We want to blame something. We want to find the why. And so sometimes the why we, we can't know, but we can know who God is in the midst of our pain. And so if you're looking for something tangible to do, uh, you're struggling in your faith and you're, you're grasping for something solid to stand on, I would look at that study. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes over at GodCenterMom.com. I just want you to know that we are for you. I'm going to pray for you right now. Dear Lord, I present each woman listening who is uh, struggling She's struggling to believe that you're good in the midst of the the bad that is in her life and the sorrow that is in her heart and the grief, and it is unbearable to her right now, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would lift her up, that you would fill her with supernatural comfort, that you would be by her side even when uh, she just, she can't even look up, when her head is down, when she's so burdened with the pain of the loss. I pray, Lord, you would just be her ever-present help that you would bind up her broken heart. I thank you, God, that you are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And that we can see the good that you're doing even when it does not look good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks y'all for listening. Go and support one another before each other. We're doing a job that is super hard and none of us are experts in. So we do not want to mom alone and we do not want to put the burden of momming on anyone. Uh, just go be grace and light to your friends around you. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.